we started a, a series two weeks ago around the topic, if he builds it. And we begin to examine how that, that if God builds the church, which he told us he would do, he said, I'm going to, to build my church and the gates of hell will not come against it. And we begin to look at what should the church look like if he builds it. Now, when I say that word, if he builds it, I immediately go to the baseball movie Field of Dreams. But we're talking about the church. If he builds it, what should it look like? What will it be like? And we looked at the first week, how that it would be supernatural. If he builds it, the church will be supernatural. It will be life-changing. It will be more than just coming in on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday evening or at a life group. It'll be more than just getting together. It'll be more than just hanging out. It, something supernatural happens when we gather in his midst. He tells us that, that that's where we are changed. And so the church, if, it, if it, Jesus builds it, it should be supernatural. And last week, Pastor Brandon talked about being relational. And how that we should be able to rub elbows with people. How that we should be able to, to build relationships. So this week, we want to look at the church should be attractional. The church is attractional. You see, people were attracted to Jesus. They weren't attracted to his outward appearance, but they were attracted to his heart. Throughout the entire New Testament, while Jesus walked this earth, we see how that people were attracted to him. Children were attracted to him. People who were hurting were drawn to him. Those who were trying to find their way. They were attracted to Jesus. And if the church is going to be the church that God intended it to be, if he builds it, then people who are hurting should be attracted to the church. People who are trying to find their way should be attracted to the church. Uh, too many times, in too many situations, we see exactly the opposite. We see churches who almost shun people who are hurting, people who are trying to find their way. And so this morning, I want to look at, for a few moments, a, a very familiar passage of scripture that we've preached on here before. Found in John chapter 4. You see, in John chapter 4, we see an instance where this is put on display. Jesus made it a point to reach out to hurting people. Jesus, as part of his ministry, he wasn't about the religious. He wasn't about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He was about the people who were hurting. They were attracted to him. And in this story, we see that, that Jesus was in Judea and he was heading north to Galilee. And the quickest way to get there was to go through Samaria. 
But the problem was the Jews would always go around Samaria because they wanted nothing to do with the Samaritans. But Jesus made a decision. He made a declaration. He said, we're going through Samaria. Now, there are different philosophies on why he said that. Some people will say he knew that he had a reason to go through there. Some people will say he was just tired and he wanted to take the shortest route and he didn't care what it was. But he made a decision one way or the other that he was, they were going to go through Samaria. And so they come to a well. And the disciples go to town to get lunch. Jesus sat down. He sat down at the well, and there he waited while the disciples went into town to get to lunch. And while he was there, he come, had an encounter with a Samaritan woman. And she was there drawing water. You see, she came to the well to get water. But what she was going to receive in the next few moments was something so much more. It was so, something so much more than the natural water, but it was living water. So Jesus engages her in conversation, which took her by surprise. It's sad to say, but there are people out there that when the church is nice, they're taken by surprise. We went to the park and handed out water on a Wednesday night during the summer. And when we try to give them, we have our shirts on and, and we try to give the people walking around the park water. They want to know what we want. How much is it going to cost me? Because for too long, the church has always went to the community with their hands out to receive as opposed to give. And it's a sad state when people look at you and think that you have an ulterior motive when you're just trying to bless them. So she was surprised because it wasn't common for Jews to speak to Samaritans. It actually wasn't very common for men to speak to women in that setting. But then Jesus, during the course of this encounter, during the course of this conversation, Jesus reveals to her who he is. And her life was changed. And the Bible tells us in this story that when her life was changed, she ran away to tell everyone. And at that point, it says that the whole town, the whole community was changed. So what does this have to do with the church? When I look at this story, I believe that we could look at the well as a representation of the church. It's a place where people come for various reasons. But it's a place where they can encounter Jesus. It is a place that their lives can be changed forever. But we have to be to a point that we are attractional to people who are hurting. That we do not reject them. That we do not turn them the way. That we do not turn our nose up to them. When we planted this church almost 12 years ago, 
we started with a vision. And that vision was we wanted the church to have characteristics of Jesus. We wanted people to know that no matter what their background was, no matter what their situation was, no matter where they were currently, no matter what their past was, no matter what denomination they were, that this was a place where they could come, find love, find acceptance, and have an encounter with Jesus. And so when we started the church, our our motto, our tagline was Gateway Church, a place for you. We wanted people to be part of our family. It's a novel idea, isn't it? We wanted people to be able to come through those doors and to feel comfortable knowing that there was no, this was a no judgment zone. We wanted people to know that when they walked through the doors, that this was going to be a place, regardless of any past religious experience they had had, that this was a place where they were going to be loved. Because the Bible tells us that if we don't have love, we don't have anything. The Bible tells us how will they know that you're my disciples. It's because you love one another. We didn't want people just like us. That'd be boring, wouldn't it? We wanted people... To come as they were. We wanted people. And when we begin to look at that. And you begin to do the research. Some people will say that a a Sunday morning. All the different denominations. It's the most segregated time that the Christians are. Because we've got people who believe this and people believe that. And they can't worship together. We were out the other day. I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but we were out the other day and Reese had a shirt on that said Gateway Church. And as we were coming in, this man looked and he said, Gateway Church, what kind of church is that? Christy sort of kept walking and I said, it's a Christian church. He said, I mean, what do you believe? I said, we believe the Bible. I could tell he was getting aggravated because I knew what he wanted to know. I knew what he wanted to know. So I thought, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to let him off the hook? So to end the conversation, I, I said, we're Church of God. He said, Anderson, Indiana or Cleveland, Tennessee? I was so irritated. It's not that I'm ashamed of our denomination. It's not that I'm ashamed that we're church of God. But I refuse to be identified as a denomination. I do not want to be identified that way. You see, we are all his children. There are seven major denominations. But they all believe the same tenets. They all have the same 
basic beliefs. How many people have more than one child? I'm sorry. Did I raise my hand? I didn't mean it, God. How many of your children are exactly alike? Nobody raised their hand. Of course not. They have different personalities. They have different views on things. How many people have got one kid that just is so easygoing? They, they, they don't care. Everything could just fall in around them and it's just okay. And then you've got one that is so high strung that if something just gets out of order a little bit, they go nuts. They have a different view on life. They, ha- they, they have a different view on things. But guess what? Are they both still your children? Do you love them? Do they still call you mom and dad? Of course. And if you've attended our growth track here, you're going to learn that that we have some essential beliefs. There's four things that we say, these are essential beliefs. These are non-negotiable. We believe the Bible is the word of God. We believe Jesus is the son of God. We believe you must be born again. And we believe that believers can be spirit-led and spirit-filled. And those are the four things that that you will hear preached from this stage. But you see, we decided that we are not called, we are called to make Christians, not clones. There's many of us that can sit down and read a passage of Scripture. Good people smart people and can look at it and say, I think it means this, or I think it means that. But for too long in the church, we think that that we can read it and that what we think is the way that it is. And what I believe is that too many people that we can't worship together because we're so divided on things that aren't essential. And so what we have done here, and I'm very quick to tell people, We're Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee. But we have people with Church of Christ backgrounds. We have people with Methodist backgrounds. We have people with Baptist backgrounds. And most people find that very very refreshing to know that people can come together and worship. I mean, I don't know if you... I can't find anywhere in the Bible where it says there's going to be like seven different heavens. Or seven different sections of heaven. Okay, all the Pentecostals, you go over there. All the Baptists, you go over there. They're going to be too loud for you. (laughs) Pentecostals have soundproof walls. I'm joking, but I'm serious. We're called to make Christians, not clones. John chapter 4 verse 9 tells us this in this story. It says, The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus asked her for a drink. And what that tells me when I read that is that everyone has something to offer to him. We do not all have to be alike, have the same backgrounds. There are some things we're going to differ on, and that's okay. 
I'm not talking about watering down the gospel, but I'm talking about coming together and worshiping the King of Kings in love and in harmony. And that's what we strive for here. It's a place for you. I could preach on this all day, but I'm going to go on. The second thing that we begin to to look at is that we realize and understand that if you can have healthy families, you'll have a healthy church. Everyone longs to be part of a healthy family. If you're here this morning and you have a dysfunctional family, I can guarantee you, you wish that it wasn't. Everyone wants to be part of a well-functioning family. It's a priceless commodity. In the years of my ministry, I have talked to so many people and I hear their problems. And you know what? 90% of them come from their family. They've been wounded. They've been hurt by their family. John chapter 4 verse 18 says, For you have had... This is Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman. And and he says, for you have had five husbands and the one now that you now have is not your husband. She said, what you have said is true. Now, some people believe that he was calling her sin out. Which he may very well have been. But you could also read this and say that he was pointing to the source of her pain. Can you imagine having five husbands that some way or somehow that that relationship had crumbled? Can you imagine the pain and the hurt after five husbands? Your wives are saying, no, I can't imagine it. But Jesus could have been pointing to her source of her pain. He knew what rejection was all about. Matthew chapter 10 verse 36 says, And the person's enemies will be those of his own household. You see, the enemy wants to weaken the family. He wants to cripple us. He wants us to be dysfunctional. He wants there to be no peace at home. You ever had one of those mornings on Sunday where you were just yelling at each other and the kids didn't want to do and you were just upset and, and you walk into church? How's that work out? Or you go to work? And it's so hard for people to deal with you because you just want to bite their head off because you've had a bad morning? It works. The enemy's good at what he does. He understands that if you can disrupt the family, what is the very basis, if he can disrupt that, you're not going to be healthy. And if you have a family, uh, if you have a group of people and families at a church who are not healthy, you're not going to have a healthy church. This woman was showing up at, at noon to get water because of pain and shame. She had isolated herself and Jesus pointed it out because he knew her hurt. He knew her pains. 
Can I tell you that, that Jesus sees your hurts? God knows your pain. He knows what you're going through. And so we desire to make unhealthy families healthy. When something is broken, as a church, it's very attractional if people can come and they can make their unhealthy family healthy. Because everybody wants it. Everybody needs it. You ever had an injury that just limits you from doing something? I can name about 16 right now. The one that comes to my mind the most is about 16. The one that comes to my mind the most is, is, is I had knee surgery about four years ago. And before I had that knee surgery, it was hard to do anything. And I walked with sort of a limp. And that's what happens. And in order for, for that to be fixed, in order for me to be able to, to function correctly, I, I had to have surgery. I had to go to a place where they could fix it. And as a church, we want the community around us to know that we are a church that loves families. And that we are a church who are going to teach your children. We're going to teach your teenagers. We're going to love your babies. We're going to love you. This is a place where, and, and when things are right in the church, things will be right at home. Now, many of you may have grew up with in a situation where mom and dad put on a good act at church. But they were throwing frying pans at each other at home. That wasn't healthy. We are talking about families who come to church together, who pray together. And that's what we promote here because it's attractional. An unhealthy family equals an unhealthy church. And we believe that the family is God's force in the earth. It was created from the very foundation and the devil attacks it because he fears it. And we have to get to a point where where you build your family on convictions found in the word of God. Not on the cultures of the world. And that's what we strive to do here. Build your family on the convictions found in the word of God. Not on culture. And if we can ever get families who are on fire for God, that's the greatest agent that the church could ever have. Because families who are on fire for God will reach out to other families because people will say, I want what they have. I want to be the Brady Bunch. Because it's attractional. People want it. People need it. Thirdly, we want to transform our community. We want to be a church that helps people. How many people know that there are families and and people all around us who need transformed? People at work, your job, 
They need Jesus, don't they? That's our desire. If we have any other reason for gathering, if we have any other reason for calling ourselves a church, because people want to be transformed. People want to find that. And if we can make the church attractional to allow them to know that it's our desire to help them have that encounter with Jesus. So how do, we be a church, how do we become a church that helps people? We do that by giving. You can't outgive God. Now, when I say that, your mind, how many people, all of you just held onto your wallet? Don't lie. That's the first thing that comes to your mind. Here it comes. Trying to buy a building. Here it comes. Get ready. Let's just lined up at the back. Going to make a second run. Of course, your mind immediately goes to money. Don't go there yet. We'll get there, okay? But let's, 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 let's look at the whole picture of what we mean by you can't outgive God. There are people who need living water. They need something eternal. John chapter 4 verse 13 and 14 says this. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now this woman needed more than just well water. She needed more than just bottled water. She needed living water. How do we do that? Sure, we can give. We can go to the park and hand out bottled water. But Jesus said, whoever that you give that to, they're going to thirst again. When Jesus fed the 4,000, when he fed the 5,000, guess what? The next day they were hungry again. They had to eat again. He provided them what they needed, their physical need, but they needed something so much more. And there may be people, they might be rich in money, people around you. They may be wealthy, but they might be poor in love. They may be poor when it comes to their marriage. They could be poor when it comes to money. But you see, there's, there's so much more that the church can give than just money. There's people out there that need love. There's people out there that just need to know that someone cares. They need something more, something eternal. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you, by His poverty, might become rich. What, what are you saying? I'm saying that Jesus emptied Himself. He emptied Himself. He became 
poor so that we could be rich. It wasn't just money that Jesus was handing out. It wasn't just food that Jesus was handing out. Jesus was, he completely emptied himself of love, of everything that he had. And if we're going to be attractional to the community, if we're going to transform, we're getting ready to go into a situation. We were over at the new location yesterday. And there were some people in the neighborhood that were there. And I began to talk to them. And it just hit me. This is what we're getting ready to go into. We're going into a community that needs to know that there's a God that loves them and that there's a church that is willing to empty itself. They weren't asking for money. First question I got asked when it come up, she said, do you guys have any kind of drug rehabilitation, any kind of drug counseling? She said, my son, he got up and walked over. He needs it. It hit me. You see, if we're going to be the church, if he builds it, this is what we're getting ready to walk into. People who are hurting. People who need to see that God loves them. And that the church is a place that they can encounter him. We have to be a church that empties ourselves. Where you're rich, you may have a great marriage. Pour that into somebody else. You may have money. Be generous. Wherever it is that you're rich, empty yourself out. Acts chapter 3 verse 6. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what, do I, what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He said, I don't have any silver or gold. He said, but there's something I can give you. And too many times we take that scripture and say, well, they didn't need silver and gold. Whatever you're rich in, be generous. Empty yourself. I believe that God is getting ready to put us to a test. I told you at the beginning of the year that God had really begun to deal with me about generosity. Had no idea. What has happened over the last two months is beyond my imagination. Never in this world did I think that we would be in the situation that we're in right now when it comes to relocating. Never in a million years. But you begin to look back and you can see that what this church was founded on 12 years ago, being accepting people who are hurting, people who are different, of giving them the truth of the gospel 
but allowing God to change them. Being a place where we focused on having healthy families. And being a place where we desire to see our community change. I begin to look at that and see that for 12 years God has been preparing us. He's been preparing us to be an attractional place. Now, some people hear the word attractional church and they're immediately turned off. Because they think, well, you just want to look good on the outside. That's not why they were attracted to Jesus. It wasn't because, and I'm not talking about having all the the lights and and all that that stuff is great. But it's only temporary. It's only temporary. When people come through the doors, that stuff is great. The water that she got from the well satisfied her temporarily. The fish that Jesus provided them and the bread satisfied them temporarily, but it went away. I'm talking about being a church that if he builds it, that it will be attractional, but it will also be transforming. Whatever you're rich in, We give them bottled water so that he can give them living water. So they can see Jesus in us. So just as when this woman at the well realized who Jesus was, that's when she was changed. Read the story. That's when she was changed. John chapter 4, verse 25 and 26. The woman said to him, I know that that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. That's when she was changed. At that moment. When he revealed himself to her. Wasn't anything else that he had said. That's when she left her bucket ran off to tell the community come see a man she was changed because of who he was she would have never found out she would have never found out who he was if he wouldn't have given of himself to take a moment to go through Samaria, to sit at a well, to engage her in conversation. He gave. People are attracted to others who give. People are attracted to a church that will give. I want to ask you to bow your head. I know this message is If I've seen passionate today, it's because this is the church is something that I am extremely passionate about. Because I understand that this is the well. This is where people can run to. And if we're not careful, too many times the well can become dry. 
people can run to it, but they'll find no life-giving, eternal water because we have nothing to give. So our prayer and my prayer this morning, and I'm going to ask you to agree with me in prayer. That what this church was founded on, there's very few of you that have been here the entire time. But what this church was founded on, that we'll never stray from it. That we'll never forget it. That we'll never take our eyes off of the vision and the mission. And that's to be a place for everyone. To be a place that loves families. And to be a place that wants to see our community transformed. If we can do those three things, the community will be attracted. And they can come see a man who can change their life forever. So right now, right where you're sitting, it it, it takes more than just me. It takes us binding together and agreeing together, being in one mind and one accord, striving for those three things. If you'll agree with me, if you will commit to agreeing in prayer with me, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to pray and I'm going to let you go home. The Bible says we're two or three. gathered in my midst if any two can agree upon one thing we're going to pray we're going to believe we're going to agree together that our focus we'll talk about that some next week that our focus will be those three things will you agree with me let's pray Father I come before you this morning God I am thankful for this group of people God, I am so honored to be able to stand on this platform and to share your word with such a great, loving group of people. God, I believe that you have placed us together for such a time as this. God, I believe and and I know that you have told us that the steps of the righteous are ordered by you. God, you have put us together for a reason and for a purpose, for a calling. God, there may be people here this morning that think, I just wandered into this place. God, nothing happens by chance or by accident. We know that. God, you are in control of everything. And Father, I pray this morning that we will agree together in prayer, asking of you. God, help us. Help us to never, ever 
stray away from what this church was founded on. God, prepare us to be a place where the community can be attracted to. But Father, that they can encounter you. God, that we can be a well where people can not only get physical water, but God, they can get eternal water, eternal life. God, prepare us. God, help us to be willing to pour out ourselves in whatever we are rich in. God, you have blessed some of us financially. God, you have given some of us, some of us have great marriages. Some of us has, have other things that we are rich in. God, don't allow us to keep that to ourselves. But just as Jesus did, allow us to empty ourselves and become poor so that others might be rich. God, I know that you are doing great things. God, that you have so much in store for us as a body of believers. God, we stand. We stand on the promise that you made standing in front of the gates of Hades. God, when you said, on this rock I'm going to build my church and all the demons in hell can never prevail against it God we stand on that promise this morning and as a congregation as a group of believers as a church body we agree together God we're going to do your work we're going to be your voice and a force in this earth in this community In the name of Jesus, amen.